So welcome to Series 2, Episode 48 of Conversations on Eagle Mountain, a podcast about the tribe. I'm your host, Lance, and joining the podcast panel today is Liz. Hello. Sabine. Hi. Maggie. Hi. And a very warm welcome to our guest for today, Octavia. Hi. I just want to quickly say that I'm really grateful you guys are having me on. I've been listening to it for a while. I really like the podcast. <laughs> oh, we're so happy to have you. Yeah. It took us a while to get here, but... <laughs> With episode notes done by Matt and myself. So, Series 2, Episode 48, the screenplay was done by Joe Boyle. It was directed by Julian McSweeney. And the episode synopsis were read out by Octavia. It's the day of the mole rat's double wedding, but with Ryan worried that Celine will get cold feet and Jack misplacing Tysan's ring, will everything go to plan? Meanwhile, Trudy leaves Ebony defenseless as the chosen strike. Okay, Octavia, I want to ask you a few questions that we all get to know you. So um, let's get right into it. What was your favourite season? Um, I don't know if this counts uh i really like the new tomorrow uh i know <laughs> i know that that's not a uh well-respected opinion but <laughs> it was the first one i actually watched because i was 12 no when i came out um and it aired in australia really prominently so oh, oh wow uh it was my first exposure to mm -hmm. the tribe and i was like this this is amazing i love this idea of like you know um kids surviving on their own and like honestly re-watching it i'm like this is like baby's first game of thrones going on right now uh <laughs> um and then like you know i got into the original series which didn't air as consistently in australia it was like they would they would show an episode like a season two episode and then immediately after like a season four episode it was very disjointed so it was harder to get into that series for me and like when it comes to the actual main series it's hard to because the seasons, like really, the season, I really like the end of season two and the beginning of season three, but then where season three ends up, it kind of doesn't end very well. So mm -hmm. I can't say that I really like season three and I don't like the beginning of season two. So it's hard for me to say this is the season of the tribe I like because realistically it's the end of season two and the beginning of season three. <laughs> so basically the chosen storyline. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. That's fair. Fair. I agree with that. I fully agree with that. It's really cool that, you know, the new tomorrow was your introduction. Mm -hmm. And I totally understand the whole inconsistency living here in America. I was an adult. I had to be very mm -hmm. dedicated to watching the drive yeah. to, be able to see it in order because yep. it was all over the place. That's why I was like always so confused about which season or what things happened in. Because like for me, I was like, oh, yeah, season four is the techno season. So obviously that's where they barcoded everyone. Right. But no. <laughs> I didn't like season four or five, so I don't really know what happens in either. <laughs> yeah, no. Consistently. And then they're definitely rather. the lower quality seasons. I would say that season four is a lower quality than season five, personally. But <laughs> They had nowhere to go but up. <laughs> Rock so. bottom. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Um, okay, so who are your favorite characters then? Trudy and Alice. I've always loved Trudy. I've always been a huge fan of Antonia Preble. She's 
incredible. I, I don't know whether you guys have ever watched Outrageous Fortune, but she's amazing in it. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Like she is my she is my celebrity crush. <laughs> so yeah, she's great. She's so good, and she does she does a really good job um, with uh, you know her her role in this show. Even though I don't know what she's trying to do with her accent, um, <laughs> this is not the way she talks. Um, I, I don't I don't know what kind of direction these kids were given voice wise because some of them obviously sound like they're from New Zealand, and others sound like they're trying not to sound like they're from New Zealand, but. I, don't. Mm-hmm. I love when the accents <laughs> slip. I just love it. Mm-hmm. So that universal appeal. Yeah. 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 And then you yeah. got the ones that are just like, I don't care. I'm going to talk how I talk. Like Lex, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, who, I can't remember who plays Jill. Uh, not Jill. Gel. Um, but, like, she's obviously not trying. <laughs> no. <laughs> mm-hmm. Her accent's pretty, though. Okay? It's got her, her voice has to go with the way she looks, right? I like how they deliberately make siblings have different accents. <laughs> okay, let's flip that around. Who are your least favorite characters? Ray and Jay. I'm 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 just not I am not a oh. fan of the Ray Thomas self inserts. They are terrible. <gasps> oh. 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 Get some salad for that bird. <laughs> Touche. That's fair. That's completely fair. That I love felt like fingers I get slammed it. in the car door. Yes. Oh, that was beautiful. You can't even argue that. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, no, I could not have worded that better if I tried. Woo. Good job. I'm going to be thinking about that one all week. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a debate topic in itself. Okay. <laughs> oh, I could debate oh. that for hours. <laughs> Me too. Me too. Oh, we'll, we'll come back to that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, do you have a favorite couple? Um, it's technically n- not like a canon couple, but Alice and Tyson. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think that they, that like, it's to me, it's very clear that Alice left her farm for Tyson to chase after Tyson. Like, <laughs> there's no other reason that she had. She was like, I like this girl. I am following her, and. <laughs> That's that's yeah. She's got a pretty face. Fair interpretation. <laughs> yeah. You know? I mean, I can't speak from that experience. Um, you know, but look, I can speak from, for example, the black experience and knowing that when I would watch TV or read books, I was looking for something that reflected my personal experience and mm-hmm. finding it any way I could. So I can totally see that. And even her crush on Lex and how similar Lex and Tyson and even the girl on the farm as you pointed out the similar looks and hairstyles and even something in their attitudes why Mm -hmm. she would be attracted to them why she would even end up falling for Ned because he was the exact opposite of any of those three um so I I think that's Mm -hmm. really that's really cool um interpretation and a fair one also she was from like uh, a tribe previously that was literally just girls so like (laughs) all women all women Mm. Oh, and you know what? Ellie even says something that supports that. Um, when Tyson comes to her and doesn't, you know, want to tell her fully what's going on between her and Lex, 
but she feels bad because she knows Tyson. I mean, that Alice is upset. Ellie goes, there's nothing you can do about it. She always does this. She always goes after guys who will hurt her as a defense mechanism, almost like she's going into it knowing mm-hmm. it won't work out, mm-hmm. which I thought was an interesting mm-hmm. observation about it's Alice. It's like she, she goes after these guys that she knows are unattainable. And that's, that is like, honestly, it is sort of an experience of being queer and in the closet of like well i uh, you know mm. but yeah no i was always like i just had to like pick someone and it would be just like that that seems like a safe option there's just some guy but yeah no it's like very much like the, you pick somebody that you know is unattainable because a lot of the crushes that i had on, on guys in high school they were gay guys so i knew i wasn't getting them. <laughs> <laughs> okay um yeah do you have a favorite storyline in the whole show um the the yeah the cult takeover the zoodists takeover um of you know the planning that went into that and then the actual taking over part the very beginning um and then like later on trudy's redemption from that um i think that Mm -hmm. even though a lot of it was done off screen which is frustrating because that Mm would have that would have made for good television in my opinion (laughs) but um I think that the the way that she comes back and is like actually repenting for things, like she doesn't try to completely shake away any responsibility that she had was good because it would have been easy to do like, you know, I was, I was brainwashed. I didn't have control over myself angle and they didn't do that. And a least favorite storyline and please don't say Amber's resurrection. <laughs> <laughs> no. I, Mine. Oh, I really dislike the technos and the VR addiction, particularly the VR addiction when it came to Pride. I didn't think it made any sense, and also, yes, uh, Pride's outfits towards the later seasons didn't make any sense either. I'm like, what are you wearing? This this seems like so distant from like what you <laughs> consider, you know, eco. Like, what are you doing to make any sense for your character? Yeah, he moved so far away from it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Pride, a man without a country. But- if you think about it, though, like it, it could make sense in the fact that it's showing what would happen, you know, like he, he, the city's dangerous, right? Yeah, that he's being corrupted. I just don't think that they did it. I don't think that they did it well enough to, like, you know. Yes. No, like he definitely goes through mm-hmm. a, a, a bout of uh, hysteria, for a lack mm-hmm. of a better term, where he's not, there's nothing about him that is pride any longer. Mm-hmm. I think the concept of taking a character who's so anti-technology and all of that and then making him addicted to it could be interesting. But the mm-hmm. way they executed it was just cheesy, didn't work, yeah. didn't fit the character. Was- That's the thing as well. I think that the, the techno storyline altogether could have been interesting, like especially since like the concept was these are military kids. Of course, they have access to technology. That makes sense. The way they executed it though mm-hmm. made no sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no sense. Here, have some chocolate bars. <laughs> uh, do you have a favorite tribe song? Uh, mine's very basic. It's like, uh, I think it's pronounced uh, Abbey Messiah. It's the end credits song. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that one. Yeah. Yo! <laughs> it's a good one. It's a good one. Mm-hmm. Good choice. I sing it to myself sometimes in the car. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I think we all do. <laughs> uh, I remember the first time I heard that. I mean, I love The Dream Must Stay Alive. It's so poignant and bittersweet, very pretty and delicate. But when I first heard Abba Messiah, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yes, 
probably another reason I had such a hard time accepting <laughs> season four. It's like, where, where's my song? What is this? What the fuck is this? I mean, it makes sense that season five would start out in a literal garbage dump. Just saying. I've learned to accept tribe spirit since. It's a very pretty song, yeah. but. Not the one. Where's my Aqua Messiah? <laughs> Yeah, I know you're into hairstyles and stuff, so what's your favourite tribe style? Um, so I've always liked all of Trudy's styles, um, but the one that I really liked was the one where she had just come back from the Ecos because it was like very different from what she usually looked like, where she had her hair cut very short but like sort of mm-hmm. spiked up and it was almost pink because previously oh, yeah. she had like been completely purple all the way and it was like this almost ah. reddish pink colour and I'm like, this is a different person now. This is a good way to show transformation. I love it. <laughs> um, she rocked that look. She did. It looked amazing. Um, I also really liked uh, when... Uh, Tyson was like kind of in that supreme mother role, yeah, where her hair was like in that big sort of poofy mm-hmm. thing up high, yeah. yeah, like yeah, and like you know the, the clothing is always really amazing. I just um, hair is my thing. I focus on the hair. <laughs> I look at the hair. That's the thing that like, especially because they do such big elaborate things to it a lot of the time. It's it really does sort of frame the character really well depending on what they're doing with it. Sometimes they don't pull it off very well. I don't think that they ever do Celine's hair very well. Oh, Celine's yeah. lion-o hair <laughs> will live in my nightmares. <sighs> it's so bad. And her eyebrow. <laughs> they did her so her hair. dirty with Why? the hair. Why? Why? I honestly they think they should have gone with a different color for Celine because I don't think that red was her color. I think it was because she, weren't she and Jack supposed to originally be siblings and that's why they both had that bright red hair? In the original concept, I believe. Like, if you look at the original art, there's Jack, Jack and Celine are together almost like she's mm. leaning on his shoulder like she's his older sister. And I think I read somewhere that they were initially mm. supposed to be siblings, which is why they gave him such similar hair. Because it's in, like an artificial mm-hmm. red, you know? And yeah. But I don't know why they didn't change it once they dropped that. Yeah. I think she would have looked good with like orange hair. But like they went, she deserved different cuts. Yeah. in my opinion, they, they never they never did her styled used. it very well. No, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why they struggled so much with her hair. Maybe they were always just kind of trying to bring across that 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 um you know Celine is just in a chaotic headspace because her hair looks terrible all, of all the time. Yeah, not even yeah, it's weird. <laughs> always, it must have been intentional because it is all pretty much all the time. It's not well done. <laughs> And it's yeah. just her most of the time. Like, they they have the occasional, like, everybody has the occasional bad hair day. Like, I really hate Trudy's hair as Supreme Mother, but it fits what's going on with her really well. <laughs> uh, she, and I hate her pre, uh, her after uh, Supreme Mother hairstyle, so. And nothing beats, nothing beats <laughs> Chloe's Pokemon <laughs> cone. Yes! I think those are my favorite. Uh, if, I, if I think about it, with Celine's hairstyle, you know, maybe the person who did that just agreed with us on Celine's character. Yeah, they were just like, yeah, no, this character is a dud, so your hair yeah. is going to be a dud. <laughs> she sucks, so her hair sucks. It meant something, though, because there is so much thought put into the writing of her mm-hmm. character. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, Celine may be a character you, you don't like and who does terrible things, yeah. but there was thought put into her being that way. So it's strange that her hair was such an afterthought. 
she is one of the mm-hmm. characters that does like she stays there the whole five seasons consistently she never really takes long breaks away so like the fact that they didn't ever really do anything different with her hair despite the fact that they did something different even like you know with with amber's hair like you know she occasionally had it down or like you know when she first comes back in in the um mm-hmm. series three it's like for some reason like bleached all the way to the roots somehow yeah. <laughs> and like you know doesn't have the regrowth that she previously had and it is styled slightly differently like you know her character has like like Bamba's character is the only other character that has the most consistent hair through the whole series and yet like you know Celine is the one whose hair just stays the same yeah. all of the time her, her growth isn't as spectacular either <laughs> so what, what growth yeah yeah <laughs> know, maybe maybe that's so, the point ma- so know. maybe it's on purpose yeah. you know yeah and analyzing the hair has always been my like my go-to as well like the fact that bray always has this connection with ebony because uh, like you know he has braids in brain. his hair as well mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. It's very mm-hmm. apparent and uh you know I'm sure she did them for him. Yeah. <laughs> well, we know for a that. fact that Meryl's mother did. So yeah, that's really cool. She did the braids for all of them, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's just I I feel like they do put a lot of thought into the hairstyles and what they mean for the character in the moment, and it's just yeah, for yeah, like Celine's hair at the wedding and before or before the wedding. Mm. I that we came back to this episode after the last one and i was like was her hair really that awful looking in the last episode like i had to i i just i guess i didn't pay that much attention i thought that was kind of like suitable that her hair was done so haphazardly for her wedding like she mm-hmm. just didn't yeah. care she just didn't care yeah exactly whereas tysan looked magnificent mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to be fair tysan you know the only way that she doesn't look great most of the time is you know yeah. when she had those glasses in the early episodes I don't know why they picked those for her. And you didn't want the extra douchebag look on Tyson. <laughs> and say, well, even after she was blown up, she looked great. It's fine. <laughs> Maybe that's why I hate her. It's cool. She didn't even have a sunburn. <laughs> no, not not even. Still had her eyebrows. I, I'm calling a farce. Is that your excuse for everything? It was destiny. It was meant to be. Anything except it was my fault? That's exactly what I'm trying to say. If I live to a hundred, I'll still regret what this has done to you. What it's done to us. Not half as much as I will. I'm not stupid, Tyson. I know Lex wasn't madly in love with me. But I also know I could have made him happy. Lex and I are to be married today. Would you believe me if I say I wish you all the luck in the world? Thanks. In order to get Ebony alone for the impending chosen attack, Trudy persuades Tysan to attempt a reconciliation with Alice and invite her to the wedding. Tysan agrees and goes to the hotel where Alice is initially angry at her talk of destiny, insisting she could have given Lex a lifetime of happiness rather than the fling she thinks she's having with Tysan. Upon learning that they're getting married, she does wish Tysan luck but doesn't want to be there to watch the event. So yeah, panel, a few questions about this. Um, do you think Trudy's plan to get Ebony alone was a good one? And what do you think about the conversation here between Alice and Tyson? I want to know why Trudy thought it would be so easy. Like why she thought that all she would have to do is go and talk to her one time and that Alice was going to come. It's better than what could be. They're speaking to each other, you know. Um, Alice isn't trying to rip her face off. It, it's better than to be expected, to be honest. Mm-hmm. 
I think it was reasonably smart for Trudy to have asked Tysan, like, what other character would she have asked to go reconcile this situation with Alice? It's not like Ellie would have done it. Like, and also Ellie would probably not have been successful (laughs) because it's like Alice has always been best if you like confront her directly with it, with a situation rather than try to go in a roundabout way. Yeah, I totally agree with that. No, and I think Trudy has seen how much, you know, friendship and love there is between Alice and Tysan. She knows that. Alice would basically do anything for Tyson. So yeah, I think it was a reasonable thing to think that uh, Tyson going there and asking for forgiveness might work. I think it's a good plan because once again, even though Trudy's motivations are diabolical, she's still giving great advice without meaning to because this was the best way for Tyson and Alice to reconcile. This was the best way to go about these two making peace on this conflict. Um, again, as it's been said, there, who else should go to Alice and speak to her to make peace with Tyson? It needs to be Tyson. That's the friendship that's been fractured here. Mm-hmm. Tyson needs to go to her friend. And she's the one who should tell her friend that, yes, Lex and I are this serious. We're getting married. She's the one who ought to tell her that. I, I just, I, again, it just blows my mind that even though you know, that she doesn't really care about Tyson and Alice making peace. She's more focused on isolating Ebony. She's still giving great advice. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's just funny for me. Um, if only she could use her powers for good. Right. I just yeah. like, that's so amazing. Because um, that's the kind of advice you would give. Let's say if Tyson came to you and said, um, I want to make peace with Alice. I don't know how to go about it. Wouldn't you tell her you need to go talk to your friend? You need to go tell her the truth. You need to apologize to her. You know, you need to allow her to be upset at you. And that's exactly what she's doing. And I thought their conversation was beautiful. I think it speaks to the spirit of how true their friendship really was. That, um, again, Tyson doesn't go in with excuses. She goes in humble and apologetic and accepting blame for what she's done. And even in her anger, Alice doesn't get bitter or cruel. Um, Because remember, from Alice's point of view, the person she knew, her friend, has never shown interest in a relationship. She's never spoken of love or being attracted to anybody. For all Alice knew, Tyson was asexual or aromantic. Mm -hmm. And then to find out this whole time, she, she and Lex fell into each other. Like, that's very shocking and hurtful. And uh, so for her to say, I could have given him a lifetime of happiness compared to whatever's going on between you two, it didn't even seem catty to me. It felt reasonable for Alice to feel that way, given what she knows about Tysan, who has never expressed any desire to have a relationship with anybody or be with anybody and to be shocked, but so accepting when when Tysan says we're getting married yeah like she could have been so much more bitter about that and it's just so beautiful how honest she was about it like i would you believe me if i wished you the best but i can't watch it and in for tyson to be so accepting of that i didn't think you'd want to but i wanted you to hear it from me you know and Mm. and that kiss of love to her friend i still love you i i don't expect or deserve uh, forgiveness i just hope someday i can get it from you you know and yeah it's so precious i love them so much i really do 
And just like they said, this changes everything. We can't ever go back. And they don't. And that's so heartbreaking. Yeah. You know, and so kudos to Trudy. I know you're being evil, but <laughs> you still actually fixed something. <laughs> It it is my fav one of my favorite scenes of the show. I think it's like part of the reason why I wanted to come on this episode today is this scene between Alice and Tyson because it's the gayest thing this show has ever done, uh, <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> it's um it just seems like you know it's one of those things where if you didn't realize that you were you were gay and you have this intimate friendship with another with another person of the same gender uh and then like that friendship has a big blowing up period and it's like this is just the the queer experience right here um <laughs> and like it undoubtedly alice left her farm for tyson she followed tyson yeah and if you go back to the to the farm girls there is a character there that is fairly similar to Tyson in some ways in mm -hmm. sort of like her thought processes. So Alice has a type. Uh, <laughs> and I, I personally believe that she chased after Tyson with that express interest. And then it didn't really pan out that way um, because, you know, Tyson wasn't necessarily giving her all the vibes back. That's just my interpretation. Also, the kiss was very gay, in my opinion. <laughs> Jack and Dal are gayer, but I totally <laughs> see where you're coming from. <laughs> I also just wanted to briefly touch on this probably isn't as important to anyone else, but like the hair in the tribe, I feel like is either unintentional or somewhat intentional, um, you know, uh, framing for situations. So in the scene where Tyson and Alice are sort of having this argument, their hairstyles are very similar. And mm -hmm. Alice has never really had a mm -hmm. hairstyle like this before. And it's sort of showing in in my interpretation that they are on sort of like this similar in the similar place where they both feel this like immense pain because of you know what's happened between them and they're trying to reach this understanding but they're just like not able to break through yet and it's just i noticed that too their hair yeah. i was looking at that it's gorgeous so. i was like wow they very mirror each other mm -hmm. you know even the accessories and you know the framing around their faces the soft yeah. touches you know, yep. the up to and, you know, even the pieces sticking out. I was like, it just hit me how identical these hairdos are. <laughs> right. I, I honestly think throughout the tribe. I really like it, though. Yeah, it's a great hairstyle. Um, And Alice, like before this, has rarely worn her hair up like that. And I, I just think hair is like a big indicator of where a person is at in the series, like what their hair is doing. Like, is it like staying the same? Is it like looking really bad in the case of you know, people like Trudy and Celine, because um, that usually indicates that they are in a really poor. Thank you state. for mentioning <laughs> Celine's hair. Thank you. <laughs> um, or, or like, you know, is it changing every like every episode or every scene because this character like has an unstable sense of self? Like, I think the hair is really indicative. Like the little girls. Yeah, I think the hair is really indicative of like where somebody's mental headspace is at in the series. There's a lot of thought put into wardrobe, makeup, and hair. Yeah. And they mm -hmm. use it to mm -hmm. tell a story. Um, just in season one alone, you can watch the alliances and connections between the characters just based on their facial markings, you yeah. know? And um, mm. later on, they don't care as much, but you can follow what these characters are feeling or what they're going through. And their clothing makes sense for where they are, the life they're living, what they have access to. 
and their personalities. There was just a lot of care put into it. Uh, it's sad that that fell off, but I appreciate the effort. Mm, me too. Yeah. As for Trudy thinking it would be easy for Tyson to just go and say sorry to Alice and she show up for the wedding. I think it's just she's distracted. She's got a one-track mind right now. And I don't think she cares much about the con- the conflict between Tyson and Alice and Lex mm-hmm. and all that jazz. Her focus is, I have to get Ebony alone, you know. And, yeah, and that's why I said desperation. Yeah, yeah just you so that's like, get over there and convince her to come to your freaking wedding. I've yeah. got a job to do. <laughs> Ellie failed. Now you need to do this. Go do this. Yeah, because who else could she have sent? It's the only thing that she could really draw on. Like, what else is going on? Alice is this one thing that's happening right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the only other way to lure... Alice out like that is send someone over claiming something's wrong with Ellie. Right. You know? I was, I was just thinking, like, as you guys mentioned, like, even though um, this meeting between the two of them kind of is cordial, um, it, their friendship never, ever recovers from this. Mm. Nope. <laughs> no. It's really sad, actually. I was, I was thinking ahead, but like, yeah, they never, ever connect again like this. Uh, it was so close. Alice really connect with anyone but Ned <sighs> after this? Yeah, Ugh. I do feel a bit robbed. It's like, oh, I, wanted, <laughs> I did love this friendship. And it's like, mm-hmm. we, we don't yeah. get anything close like this again. <laughs> no. I do. I wonder if it's one of those things that also fell by the wayside in season three. I mean, they spent the energy to build up Allison, uh, Ebony, but that never goes anywhere in season three. Mm-hmm. But it felt mm-hmm. like it was meant to, you know, mm-hmm. and they just dropped it because they got caught up in another dramatic thing they want to focus on and i feel like maybe tyson and alice also fell victim to that because there's no reason they couldn't have being stuck in the mall together um but nobody wanted to focus on that again so yeah the Um, only thing i can say about the fact that we're here is that it is a reasonable consequence to what happened again lex and tyson were not some just drama for drama's sake Alice wasn't hurt just for drama's sake. There is an actual consequence to this. All of these friendships were fractured by their actions and nothing will ever be the same again. It didn't just go back to normal. Like, hey, that was fun. (laughs) We just put Alice through the ringer for fun, you know? Instead, it's Mm -hmm. like, this is what happens. And um, I do appreciate that, even though it's just heartbreaking Mm. because those friendships were so beautiful. And they were... Tyson and Alex at their best with another person until they found each other. And I mm-hmm. still stand by Lex and Tyson being their best together, but it still just, it sucks. And Alice never really, really gets the chance to shine with another person again. Yeah. It, it yeah. really does suck because like Alice is largely responsible for why both Lex and Tyson are the best versions of themselves. Yes. Because yeah. mm-hmm. like, yep. exactly. She directly improved Lex, like, a whole lot. But she also, like, helped Tyson to open up and be more willing to accept other people's viewpoints and opinions into her own little bubble. And it's like, she doesn't get any of the credit. No. That sucks. I feel so bad for her in that sense. Because it's like, as you said, she makes Lex a better person. She makes him want to be a better person, you know, and she teaches Tyson how to freaking love because I don't believe yes. Tyson was loved before Alice loved mm-hmm. her. And mm-hmm. only being loved by someone taught Tyson how to love in return. And that's why she 
goes through such an emotional upheaval because she actually genuinely cares about people in a way she never did before Alice taught her what that meant. And yeah, she created these, <laughs> she did all this work and she reaped none of the benefits. None of the rewards. So they fell in love with each other. <laughs> like, that sucks. It's it's such a oh. like karma thing to do though. Like you know, somebody who does work in that sort of thing, just like you got to put in the effort and hope that something happens. And sometimes it just doesn't. Sometimes nothing happens for you. Mm-hmm. Poor <laughs> Alice. For you guys. And she gets oh. Ned. She gets Ned as a consolation prize. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Are you kidding me? Consolation prize. That's who prize. they oh. to let her be close to. No, they did Alice dirty. They did. I mean, I'm going to have a lot more to say about Ned in the nuance of Ned, but Mm -hmm. I will never feel he was right for Mm -hmm. Alice or that dumping him on Alice was right for Alice. Yeah. Yeah. Like, mm. if if they were going to go that route, they could have at least, like, you know, had him improve a little bit, maybe somewhat. Or maybe they could have just not killed him and left her devastated again. Dude. Mm -hmm. Dude. I mean, had they ensured he got all the farm equipment for Alice and stuff, and they actually could have built that life she wanted away from everything, sure, I would have been on board with that. They could have let them sail into the sunset together with Tally and Andy. And I would have been like, all right, that's cool. That's cute. A little bunch that of redheads. Weird. It's a little redheaded family, you know? Yeah. <laughs> they decided yeah. to leave a wake of three devastated redheads just for drama. Not only is he dead, he was a horrible crap yep. person. Like, he kidnapped two... Mm, listen, we are we are way too far ahead here. <laughs> all right. Let's, let's, let's bring it back. Let's bring it back. Something that I did want to mention about the the scene between Alice and Tysan, though, was um, the fact that even in this conversation where Tysan is like, yeah, I'm getting married to Lex, she still does not really seem to want to marry Lex at all. Like, she says, I like, she feels disconnected from it, like it's happening to someone else. And I'm like, you shouldn't be getting married, Tysan. I think that has less to do with Lex and more to do with the fact that she's just getting used to the idea of marriage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As, as something that she could want um as she even said to him she didn't believe in it so she never thought about it she never considered it for herself and only now has she considered a version of marriage that she can get on board with but that's still that's a that's a whole new idea that's terrifying you yeah, know she needs more time that's that's fair like even if you want to do it it's still like i'm about to do something i never believed in because i found a reason to believe in it but yeah. it's still really weird like, I can't believe I'm doing it, it's, you know. Okay, cool. Let's uh, move on to that pool scene with Ebony. Spike's wristband. It must have floated off the body. Who, who put the body in there? Something's going on. I can feel it. It's like the heat before a storm building up. Well, I've been following you guys around all day. I haven't seen Zilch. But they're here! The Chosen are around us! I know it! And they're going to strike soon. So at the hotel, after finding Spike's wristband still in the pool, Ebony freaks out to Alice about the imminence of a chosen attack and the fact that they still haven't uncovered any chosen agents at the hotel. I mean, yeah, panel, how did you react to Ebony's sudden outburst here? And like, what do you think of the fact that she, even Ebony, wasn't able to shake free one of the chosen agents? Was it a sudden outburst? I mean, I don't think it was necessarily sudden. No, um, there's been a buildup. You've seen the terror right she knows something is going on 
And, you know, I genuinely think that Ebony is backed into a corner right now and she does not claw her way back out. Ebony's used to winning, you know, she's used to coming out on top and Jaffa is her match. He's better than her at this game. That is terrifying. Ebony does not know how mm -hmm. to cope with losing, with not being able to get the better of someone else. She's not used to her plans not following through, her plans within plans within plans. You know, she always has a backup plan. She doesn't have one here. She's terrified. Like, this is, I, I, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> no one deserves it more, but like, <laughs> wow, like she's had to step up with Jaffa before. And even then she went in all cocky and then realized, holy crap, I can't take this guy, which is why nope. she targeted Trudy, you know? Um, but she, again, she had a backup plan. She got out of it. You know, she still got away from him and came out on top in that way. But this time... Even her backup plan isn't working. She's got nothing. She does not know how to. Yeah, she doesn't know how to cope with it. She's got nothing. She doesn't know what to do. She's looking to Alice. Yeah. For the answer. You know, like, yeah. fix this. Save me. I'm terrified. I can't sleep. I'm not safe. And screaming this in front of anyone who could friggin' hear her, you know? And uh -huh. I just like, yeah, this girl's unraveled as yep. she should be. <laughs> Is anybody would be in her position? <laughs> There's got to be somebody here, you know? How have you not found him? Because I can't find him. I don't know what to do. I've got nothing. And then just finding that cuff is just a last drop for her. Yeah. How did they get him in was, here? <laughs> yeah, like that that was it. She was, she, she yeah. Like, I, I honestly felt a little bit bad for her. <laughs> Simply because we do know what's coming. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like when I first watched it, it was like, nah, there's no way. Like in my head, I'm like, there's no way that Ebony's gonna die. You know what I mean? But like watching it this time around, I was able to to be like, well, this sucks. She's got no clue. Poor girl. Okay. And originally, you know, watching it the first time around, I would not have put it past them. I mean, if they can kill off Amber, why not That's Ebony? That's true, but I guess I didn't think about that. You know, I just did not. I'm like, there's no way Ebony's gonna go. You know what I really like about the scene is Alice says she's looking at it. She's looking at uh, you know, Ebony like, dude. I know you're convinced that the Chosen had something to do with this, and I believe you didn't do it. But I've been following your guys for days and days, and I have found no evidence that they're with the Chosen. But what blows my mind is that Eb she already has found evidence. She just doesn't know that it's yeah. evidence because mm -hmm. the Chosen are that good. She just doesn't yeah. know. They're talking to tons of people. She doesn't know our Chosen agents. That is, wow. <laughs> yeah. Jaffa, high five. Like, I'm just like, I'm so impressed because she's following them around and doesn't even know she's literally seeing them talk to chosen spies you know what i mean and it just has no idea like that you know she sees them talking to wolf but she doesn't know that wolf is a chosen spy so she right. thinks nothing of it so how many other people has she seen them talking to and just not known that's the evidence those are chosen spies you know what i mean and mm -hmm. i love that i love that yep. yeah Jeff is very smart it's not surprising that his hubris ends up getting to him mm -hmm. <laughs> Um, it is interesting to see Ebony in sort of this sort of a vulnerable state, though, because previously when we've seen the show try to let her be vulnerable, it's always been like these slow, usually feelings about Bray. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I've, I've never enjoyed that. 
Um, <laughs> uh, like this is, um, I feel like a more realistic side of her um, vulnerability of like, she has this need to have everything under control and she can see it and feel it slipping out of her control. And she's desperately trying to like get it back into her control and she can't. And she's asked, she's even gone as far as to ask somebody else for help, which she would never do in any other situation. Uh, and that hasn't even worked. And it's just like, she can't, it's terrifying for her. Every other yeah. time we've seen her vulnerable, not because of a guy, but because of her power, slip, as you mm -hmm. say, slipping through her fingers, she's been in denial about the fact that her power yeah. is slipping, like mm -hmm. having control. This time she is not in denial. She is fully aware that she's lost control of the situation. So that makes it even more um, impactful, her, you know, her emotional state. Because, like, if you go back to season one, where it's very clear that the locos are falling apart and the virus is, ra you know, rampaging the city, and Bray's telling her, dude, you're freaking out. She's in complete denial. No, that's not what's happening. They worship me. They're not going to run off. I've got complete control, mm -hmm. you know. And here we see, like, she's not, she's not in Egypt. She's aware. <laughs> I have no yeah. control, and I'm losing it. Because <laughs> she knows she has a truly wordy opponent now. Can you imagine Jaffa and that beautiful mullet haunting you around every corner? Oh, I'd no. love it. I'd love no. it. No. Yes. <laughs> I'm good, dude. You, mm -mm. I, I want that. I could deal with that golden mane haunting me. I could. No. <laughs> you are crazy. Just a little bit. Yes, I am. But you already knew that. <laughs> to be fair, I, feel, I would feel equally as creeped out if those purple blue eyes. She's got, is it blue? She wears blue eyeshadow. If that was staring at me all the time, too. Like she, this season, I can't deal. She's just as creepy to me. Sorry, Sabine, as uh, as Jaffa is. I told you, I have a shame based crush on him. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. I understand. You know, you were older when you seen it. He was the older of the boys. It's fine. I really don't mind the idea of my closet being cracked in the middle of the night, and I just get a hint of the robe and the golden mane. <laughs> I was going to say, I can do the robe, the golden mane. You yeah. love the mullet. Don't deny it, Sabine. <laughs> I never got the vibes uh, from, from Java, but like hearing you guys talk about him, I'm like, oh yeah, I can see how he got so many people on side. <laughs> he's, I'm telling you. He runs a theater group and a choir. He's so dramatic and theatrical. Oh my gosh. <laughs> he is Count Olaf. I'm, that's it. I'm excited. He's the Count Olaf. I like that. And and the chosen are his troop. He is very good at disguises. Yes, <laughs> I did. I did briefly want to just mention. I really hate the circlet that Ebony is wearing in the scene where, like, well, in the whole episode, really. I just looks so painful to me. I can't like. It's just pushing around right her against, waist, right against, like against her forehead. Mm -hmm. Oh, the forehead that, one. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm like this yeah. looks so painful. I can't. I can't look at this. Imagine the market leaves. Right. I'm used to box braids, but yes, her hairdo looks like torture. I just, uh, uh, most of my comments are probably going to be about the hair. I just am obsessed with the character's hairs. If I was Ebony, I'd be so pissed that a dead body was found in my pool. You know how much she loves that pool. Okay. Dude. And she can't ever swim in it again. I could never. Mm. I could never. I don't care. A mountain of chlorine. I would never be able to get in that pool again, knowing that Spike's dead juice was just wafting around dead in it. Dead juice. Oh. <laughs> you know oh, she's pissed. Like, 
serious. You know she's pissed. Like he, he wasn't there very long. He was my favorite thing in the world. She's like he she's never getting peed. in that water. She's never getting in that water again. Now you're right. <laughs> he it ruined the, like that's our attraction to the hotel was the pool. Mm-hmm. It would traumatize me against going in pools like ever yeah. again. Just in general, yep. no pool ever. Never could enjoy it again. Can't even enjoy the view anymore. That's actually the only thing that took me out of that scene. That, like, she would have scrubbed that whole pool, so there's no way that Spike's um, choker would still be in there. Mm. But... Oh, she yeah, got her men to do it, and they don't care. <laughs> well, it's true. Her minions really don't care. No. They're not her minions anymore. Heck, they might have thrown it in back in later just to annoy That's her. That's true, yeah. <laughs> they might have been like, we'll just leave this here as a gift. That makes a lot of sense that one of them may have thrown it back in there. Because honestly, how? It's been days since Spike was pulled out of there. How could she only be noticing it now? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, that actually, I think, is a fair theory that they threw it in there just to mess with her. <laughs> well, maybe it was, like, a direct message from one of the, the Chosen just being like, yeah, you see, like, you know, even though you, you, you've taken the body out, we still have control over this area. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. Jeff is all about those mind games. Yeah, he's a master at them. So, and come on, if you were ever one of the guys Ebony was pushing around, wouldn't you want to mess with her? Yeah, Ebony's totally the boss that you kidnap and throw in the trunk of your car. Yeah, <laughs> you now if you can annoy her in little ways like this, sure. That's why I know Trudy is very much enjoying all of this. <laughs> of course, she is. She is reveling in the fact that that Ebony is probably going crazy. Mm. She has to imagine most of it, though. She doesn't get to directly see it. And that's where I, I would be like, if I was Trudy, I would just be like going out spying on Ebony and watching her suffer. Mm, <laughs> that would have been so enjoyable. But she does her duty and stays in the mall. And that's how you really know that the Chosen have got her. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But oh, that glint of evil in her eyes when she says, it's... yeah, let's take her out. It's so bad. I mean, Jaffa's smiling perfectly for that but the look in trudy's eyes is just bloody perfect it's also like this that that scene where they make that decision is like you know a good sort of contrast to earlier when the chosen had originally kidnapped um trudy and ebony Mm -hmm. uh, and trudy like had this like basically immediately made the choice to be like yeah no ebony i'm not gonna get i'm not gonna have them kill you like yeah sure Mm -hmm. they did the long you know, conversation first. But I, there's, there's no way that I truly believe that Trudy was going to say, yeah, kill her. She was just trying to figure out a way to, like, have it make sense that she would let her go. Oh, yeah. It's a, Trudy, before the Chosen got her hand, got their hands on her, would never hurt anybody. Never. Would mm-hmm. never do anything to cause someone else harm, you know. But um, once they get into your head and change your perception on the world, uh, yeah, she's learned to find joy but i also think the smile had way more to do with this is one step closer to getting back with my daughter yeah like this plan our our plan is moving forward and as soon as this is all over i get to be with brady at the end of the day i think it had more to do with that like finally we're getting somewhere you know right like she's focusing on the steps of the plan okay this step is complete not what that step necessarily is yeah yeah i just can't just put it past me that Besides me, you know, that it's, yes, it's one step closer to getting her daughter back, but there has to be a certain level of satisfaction 
Well, sure. It it being Ebony. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm is sure this your is. inner Trudy? Yeah. That is, that is excited about this. Wait, wait, wait. Um, hold on to hold on to these thoughts because I want to come back to this at the at the last. Because um, <laughs> I, I yeah got a, a lot to go into there. So hold on to these thoughts. We'll come we'll come back to this bit. Just don't joke about it. Joke about it. It's all I can do not to cry about it. If I was to name one person in this place most likely to pull a stunt like this, no prizes for guessing who. Right there. I am a scientist. I lose things. I forget birthdays. And I am more comfortable with numbers than words. And I know I get up your nose sometimes, but I need your help this time. Can you imagine what Lex is going to do if he finds out I can't find that stupid ring? As Lex's best man, Jack, is given a wedding ring by Tai San, which was her mother's, he promptly loses it, groping in Dao to help him find it. This culminates in a huge blow up in which Dao expresses his frustration at always being drawn into Jack's messes, and Jack finally acknowledges that he's difficult, but he needs Dao, and the ring is eventually found, of course, on Jack's finger. Um, yeah, Panna, I mean, I thought this was quite a funny scene, but, um, what do you think about Jack and Dao here, and how it kind of mirrors the repairing of their friendship that we see as well with Ryan and Lex? I think it depends on whether or not you think this is a repairing of a friendship. I do not. No, I do not I think it's think a repairing. Uh, I think it's nice to see. And it's, just, it's nice to see an interaction between them, you know. Uh, but no, this definitely, I think it's actually uh, just, it's a build up to the, the final blow, you know. For me, this with Jack and Dal and Ryan and Lex is just confirmation to me that the showrunners believe that this is the natural state of friendships between males. Yeah. Like, this is what mm. they just think guys are like. That they treat each other like garbage, but everything's cool. They can be toxic to each other, but everything's cool. That's the, This is all it confirms to me, is that they just think that's how guys are with each other. I think it's not great messaging. I don't think this is a repairing of any friendship. But it's still a very amusing scene. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very yeah. fun. I, I do like Jack acknowledging that, yes, sorry, Dal, I am the worst, but I need you. You know, and I, I think it says something. Um, Jack would not have friends if it wasn't because Ellie and Dal have chosen to put up mm-hmm. with him. Yes. Mm-hmm. They're the I ones going to say Ellie has a lot to do with it. Yeah. Like Ellie and Dal choose to put up with Jack. They see him as he is, as deficient <laughs> a person as he is. And they both have decided on their own. You know what? I can tolerate that. They're the ones who put the effort into having a relationship with Jack. You know, yeah. I, I don't know. I feel like maybe Jack's acknowledging that in this moment that, you know, I need you guys. Like, I need you. I know that I'm not easy. And I even get that the only reason I have you is because you're the one doing all the work, you know, but mm-hmm. I don't think that equals repairing. It's, it's, Acknowledging that he he's he's a pain in the butt isn't the same as apologizing for the terrible things he's done to yeah. Dal. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But at this point in time, it's as close to an apology as Jack's gonna get. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely not. A, it's definitely not a coincidence that um you know when Jack is first introduced into the the series at the beginning, he is alone. He is completely alone. Yeah. Like there's nobody like. Nobody put up with him before the virus, probably. So why would anybody put up with him after? 
Right. But Dal was like, I will. <laughs> I, I, I yeah. like you. I like yeah, the ginger. It's so good though that Dal's finally standing up for himself within the friendship. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's he doesn't he doesn't care anymore. Like he's gonna tell Jack, no, this is ridiculous. Like you're you're this is stupid. You're you're being dumb. I think also he needed the separation. Dal mm-hmm. was the one who had to mm-hmm. separate himself from yeah. the toxicity toxicity of Jack. And I think maybe that helped Jack realize, mm-hmm. like, oh, if I treat people like that, you know, my friend isn't gonna be around. You know, yeah. because I pushed him away and yet here he is and he's helping me, you know, and I've messed up again <laughs> and yet he's helping me. He, he doesn't have to, but he is. And, but, um, it's a, it's a sweet scene. The actors do a really good job selling it. So, um, I, I think that's why it works. I'm glad it's not a larger part of the episode though, because I'm not a huge fan of the, the trope of, oh, they lost the ring on the big day. Yeah. Yeah. It's, just a, it's an annoying trope. Oh, this this ring. It it did seem fitting for Jack, though. Of all people to lose something. I still don't understand why Lex made Jack the best man, other than, you know, he couldn't make it Ryan, and apparently he needed no a best man. Yeah, but no, he, he, this he is Tribe World. He doesn't need a best man. Hey, he could have made Casey his best man. Come on. It's just, convention. Okay. It's just convention. You know, it's cute staging to have Dal and Jack be the yeah. best men. You know, it's, it's all Patsy, that's all it is. Right, it's just the staging of it all. Yeah. It's so they could have this scene. That's it. We, it's yeah. for we knew this as, scene. <laughs> we knew as soon as Jack was given the ring that he was going to lose it. We knew as soon as or Tysan said what she said. All right, that's it. He's it's lost already. Yeah. I will say I don't like this trope when it doesn't match the character. Okay, when when Zandra. <laughs> When Zandra presents us with a necklace that has been in her family for years that she wants to wear at a wedding, I believe that Zandra's been carrying this through the end of the world because of her personality. Yes, Zandra has been carrying this thing waiting for her special day. This girl has special soap. Of course, she has her grandmother's necklace for her wedding someday, even though the world has ended. I do not believe that Tysan has a ring from her mother that she's never mentioned Mm -hmm. ever. Tysan, who does not care for material things at all, would have a piece of jewelry that is suddenly so special for her wedding does day. She, does she ever mention her parents before or after this? Ever. She never mentioned no. anybody. We don't. Even, we still don't know where Tysan came from, okay? <laughs> the moon. She was birthed into being. She was carved out of clay and made into being by Zeus. That is where Tysan came she from. She came from the forest people. Okay, I, I hate it with those weird glasses. I don't like it when they do it in season four when suddenly Celine has a pair of earrings that she's been wearing this whole time that are so special just so that we can have the storyline where Pride sells them. So we have a metaphor for drug addiction. You know what I mean? I'm just, I don't like when characters suddenly have this very special item that has never been referenced or mentioned and it doesn't match their personalities but it's so special now just so that we can lose it and then recover it <laughs> honestly for tyson it would have made more sense for it to be a feather that she found on the ground and she imbued with something special like personally yes it would it's a bag of magic beans and um <laughs> yeah her mother's ring doesn't make sense <laughs> it just bugged me i was just like okay it's just so we can have this scene between Dell and Jack. Fortunately the scene is good so I'll let it slide but also weird for her to like obviously her family has sort of imbued her with the sense of like you know 
or whoever she was with before, like that marriage isn't that important. So like, why is it suddenly important that it's, you know, something to do with her family? Like, I don't understand that connection. Yeah. yeah, they just, they knew they had to have it, you know, because we did it before. And I'm saying it never left her shot. <laughs> she never let it out of her Like, okay, Come on, sure, whatever. So where was it when you were doing Lex, honey? Where was it when she did? couldn't remember it? Yeah. Any Anytime she's not wearing it, she swallowed it and just waiting for it to pass. <laughs> that's well, that's one well way to ensure it's not leaving her sight. It's better than a seaweed cleanse. It's the minerals. You know what I'm saying? Where's this conversation gone? There's a reason she drinks all those green drinks, okay? Oh my god. Again, the scene between Dal and Jack is so good that I'm going to let it slide that she suddenly has a ring that's that important, whatever. It's just comically perfect. The staging is great. Again, Ashwith and Michael are fantastic together. Mm. And I even just love the moment that he realizes the ring's on his finger. Because, you know, <laughs> Michael's comedic timing is brilliant, you know. And mm -hmm. everything about this thing is great. And and just Dow wailing on him. <laughs> I've been wanting to hit you all season. <laughs> yep. They do have great chemistry together. Yeah. And, you know, the lovers make up and it's great. So, um... I'm like, okay, quote unquote, makeup. I will let the stupid ring pass because these two were great together. <laughs> you hear about it happening? There's even songs written about it. Where the fella turns up and the girl doesn't. Or sometimes the other way around. That's just, she said no to start off with. Look, women change their minds. They just do that. I know, I know, but I keep wondering why she changed her mind. Hi. So meanwhile, Ryan has been clearly nervous since morning as to whether Selene will actually go through with the ceremony, especially given everything that has happened. He also questions as to what truly made her change her mind. A cranky Lex tells him that he shouldn't let her dictate his life, although later, when he is more awake, the pair do wish each other luck. So yeah, um, comparing them to like Jack and Dal, what do you think about the exchanges here between Ryan and Lex? And... More importantly, the fact that Ryan isn't stupid. He knows that something happened to make Celine agree to this, but he doesn't quite know what that is. Oh, oh Ryan. Oh. It seems fitting for Lex in the way he responds, though. Mm. You know, his, his... I mean, Lex is always handing out bad advice. Just like, nobody should ever listen to Lex about relationships. He's always just <laughs> full of bad advice. And I'm just going, oh, well, that, that's woman for you. Yeah. Why hasn't Ryan learned his lesson? With asking Lex about these things. Mm -hmm. Because Lex is all he... Lex and Celine are all he has. They're the only forms of real connection he's ever truly had. Both of those relationships are toxic. But he doesn't know that yet, you know? Because it's the only thing he... he clearly, this is what he was taught love is, you know? And Ryan still believes that if you put up with me, you must love me. That's what he thinks. I'm just lucky you put up with me. So I'm just grateful for that. And doesn't expect more from that person. Yeah, and who else was he going to go to for advice in this case? Bray? <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah, he, I think he's still under the impression that Bray has a lot more interest in Celine than he does. Mm -hmm. I don't even, I still don't think he ever truly believed that. I think it was just easier to tell himself that than be mad at Celine. That's what yeah. I think, personally. Um, That's valid. Yeah, as he know he knows Bray, and even though Bray's a beautiful boy who all the girls are always throwing their knickers at, he knows Bray wouldn't do something to sabotage his own relationship. 
that's not the guy he knows. But it was just so much easier to unleash rage on Bray and to assume that Bray had some interest in ruining his relationship than to accept that Celine doesn't want him, you know, and prefers Bray to him. And it was easier to take that anger out on him than it was on Celine. Yeah, but it still doesn't mean he would be the, girl, the person to go to for Ryan. Oh, no, no, I'm not saying he would. No, it, it makes sense that he goes to Lex, even though, yeah, it's like, by now, when has Lex ever given you good advice, Ryan? Um, <laughs> ever, ever, ever. Um, I think it's more that Lex is willing to give him advice. He's willing to indulge him, cares enough to tell him anything that Ryan clings to, you know? Oh, boy, it's got such low self-esteem. Yeah. yeah. It's, just, it's just a comfort that Lex pays yeah. attention to him. It, it means in his mind that he must care about me, you know, because he indulges me at all. This is so depressing because it's one, everybody, anybody who's making some kind of decision like this is going to be nervous, is going to be anxious, is going to be asking themselves questions. But there's a difference between, you know, the nervousness of, am I ready to embark on this new journey to make this big change in my life? And the difference between doubting your actual partner, like doubting that they even want you and want to be with you. Ryan knew from the moment she came back that he was not confident in what she was saying to him. Sure, it's what he wanted to hear, and he jumped for joy at that. But somewhere, his instincts were telling him, you can't trust this, which is why he was like, let's mm -hmm. get married immediately so you cannot change your mind and leave me hanging again. And... Even though she agreed to do that, he's still left with this sense. I mean, you got to remember, she never explained to him why she didn't want this future with him. Again, she's not a villain for not wanting that future with Ryan. But from Ryan's point of view, she never even explained to him why she didn't want to get married. Why she didn't. Well, she did explain why she didn't want children, but she never told him why she didn't want to get married. So the only way Ryan could interpret that was, it's me she doesn't want to marry. She didn't say, I don't want to get married because I'm not ready to get married or marriage is just something I'm not into or whatever. She just said, why can't we stay the way we are? And then she comes, she runs away. And before she runs away, she insinuates that she threw herself at another guy. And then she comes back and is saying that she's changed her mind. But even then, she doesn't give him a reason for why she changed mm -hmm. her mind. She doesn't say, gee, being out on the street made me realize how much you mean to me and, you know, how the good in our really no just i changed my mind bray was a fling <laughs> you know, or just he was a phase he was a phase <laughs> you know? like mm -hmm. no wonder he has no faith in this and is terrified and is questioning and is just like to be I, fair I, if if uh celine had given him the real reason of well i'm pregnant and my baby needs a father i don't think he would have been like he would have been happy that she was pregnant but like i don't think that that reasoning would have sit well with him either he still deserved to hear it. So he did he deserve hear to hear it. But like he so he could make an actual decision. She came back and insinuated she wanted to get married. Mm -hmm. I was gonna say there was a reason that Celine specifically withheld that information because she knew it would make it harder for Ryan to accept the yes. It was a manipulation tactic on her end. Oh yeah, we know that. What I'm saying is Ryan deserved to be able to make a decision. Ryan might have asked her to marry him anyway, but at least it would have been his choice with full knowledge. You know, he would have at least been like, oh, you came back because you're pregnant. That makes sense. What do we do now? I'd still like yeah. to marry you, maybe, or whatever, you know. Um, he probably would have. He probably would have. And she could have said yes or no. You know, that's up to her. But uh, 
Yeah. Celine would have needed to be a whole different character for that to work with. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm just, it's like, it's no wonder he doesn't trust this and has all these questions. And it's so depressing. I, I hate the fact that Ryan has been manipulated into this, is allowing himself to be manipulated into it because he wants it so bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's pretty gross. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have so much I could say about it, as you know. Uh, it, it's, I, I, the, I, I have, I can't, I can't formulate my words right now. <laughs> um, I just know that, yeah, he deserved for sure to know beforehand. And, uh, you know, it goes back to a lot of it. Like he would have married her because of the baby, not because he wanted to marry her. And it had to be about her. And she couldn't have that. That's what I feel. Brian deserves so much better because they basically, like, he spent most of season one, you know, pining after Sandra. And then, like, they basically gave him Celine as the consolation prize, I guess. And then that was a terrible relationship. And that's the only relationship he has. And that's not fair for him. Um, I still say you would have been better off with Alice. Him and Alice should have comforted each other through this chosen <laughs> crap. Right? Mm -hmm. When Celine ran off to join the chosen. Alice should have been like, it's okay, Ryan. I have you. Mm -hmm. Do they ever Instead. really interact? Not much. No. When in the rebel bit. Yeah. We want them to, though. It's a missed opportunity. I do like the contrast between Ryan and Lex here. Mm. Now, Lex, he is confident today. He's not worried. I love the contrast of Lex in his first wedding. Well, his first two attempts, his attempt at wedding and then his real wedding um, in this. Because last time Lex didn't care. Lex, last time Lex wasn't worried because he, he just wasn't invested anyway. Mm -hmm. You know, he, he didn't care about Zondra's feelings on it. It was just, this is what Zondra wants and this is how I'm going to get laid. So I'm doing it, whatever, you know. Yeah. But this time Lex is confident because he's confident in uh, Tysan's love for him. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because when Tysan said, I don't want to get married, she gave him a reason that Lex could understand. I don't believe in marriage. It's not that I don't love you or don't want to be with you. I just don't believe in that whole concept. And then when she changed her mind, she still gave a very valid reason as to why she was changing her mind. Yeah. I love you. I don't want to be with anyone else. And I can't stand the thought of you being with anyone else. Is that what marriage is? So Lex is confident today, you know, in that he's, he's not nervous. He's not anxious, you know, and the, you know, of course you have Ryan who's on the complete other opposite height of that spectrum mm -hmm. of not having those answers because his partner and he do not have that understanding or honesty between each other and i also find lex's um advice kind of interesting on one hand it could seem like he just doesn't care he just wants ryan to <laughs> shut up so he can get some sleep <laughs> Mm -hmm. But there is something he says that's a little cogent. You know, you don't let a woman dictate your life. Or basically, you don't let anyone dictate your life. And I, it's almost as if it's the nicest way he can tell Ryan that your entire life begins and ends with Celine. And it needs to stop. Yeah. You know, like, you're happy because Celine is happy. You're sad because Celine is upset. You know, you can't keep living like this. You're letting Celine dictate your every mood, your every thought, your every action, you know, because you tiptoe around her, trying to please her, trying to get this thing you want. And it's a little unfair to expect her to give it to you. And it also allows you to be manipulated by her, which is what's mm -hmm. happening right now. Um, so even if it's like Lex isn't trying to give advice, he's making a good point there in a way, you know? I agree with that. I do really like that. He, he does point out that um, just, you know, the way he says it, Celine's into it, right? 
he's like he he's just pointing out that he thinks Celine wants this wedding as much as Ryan does for the same reasons. And you can see the doubt on Ryan's face the moment he does. Mm. It's like you know, Lex. All Lex knows as well. She said yes, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, because like yeah. he's just been through something similar, and he's super confident about it because like yeah, sure. Tyson said no at first, but then she changed her mind and said yes, and that's just something because yeah. you know, women are overthinkers. And they think about things and then they change their mind. That's yeah. what women do, right? Uh, that's like this whole thought pattern. So, like, he's like, Celine must have had a similar mm-hmm. journey happen. <laughs> he's way too overconfident about his knowledge and interpretation of events. <laughs> he's, he's too wrapped up in his own stuff to see what else is happening. Mm-hmm. There's this tiny little detail in this scene that I only noticed it today, but did really like the fact that, you know, you have them waking up and Lex wakes up and his makeup is smushed. You know, it's it's not the clear lines it's norm it normally is. Is it? I, I notice sometimes on Celine, uh her red will they'll be like the red washed it away before. Like you can see, you know, so I that's I didn't see the smudge part. I'll have to go back and look. That's kinda neat. Yeah, it's 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 the part on his neck. Okay. Where he he has the blankets and then yeah. you see a move and you see the smudged makeup and I don't know, it just it felt fitting that they had that in a scene where he's just waking up. Instead of waking up perfect. Yeah. I don't think he brushes his hair this episode, though. It bothered <laughs> me. It just, I wanted, I, I, I wanted him to smooth it's it less, down a little it's bit fine. more. He can get away with anything. Yeah. yeah, but then he thinks he looks so good. You know, like, he, 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 Raz, he does. He does look good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like. That's the only um, reason he gets away with being such an awful person. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm not a Lex stan, but I will, I will agree that he's a, he's a. Good looking Kay- man. Caleb Ross mm-hmm. face carved by angels, okay? <laughs> People forgive a lot of sins with a face like that. <laughs> That's fair. That's a beautiful boy. <laughs> He's just a little. Uh, I mean, yeah, speaking of Lex, um, alone in his room before the ceremony, he takes out Zandra's feather boa and asks <sighs> her for luck. Um, just a quick little scene, but yeah, what did you make of that? Oh, it's such a great job with his grief journey. I was so glad for it. Yes, so glad for it because she's not forgotten. You know, he still hasn't forgotten about her and I don't think he ever really will. Um, And it's just it's so nice to to see that he's held on to a little bit of her. I love that reveal. The idea that he has her feather boa in his closet, his wardrobe. Mm -hmm. I love that. It's so subtle. It's not even a showy moment. Mm -mm. You know, it's a quiet one by himself. We get to realize this whole time he's been holding on to this one thing that was reminds him of her, her iconic boa. We heard him mention it before when you know, Mm -hmm. wore one, but. He's never, you know, the idea that he's been keeping hers. It's just so lovely. And the way he smells it. Yes. It his face. Yeah. You know, it's when like- he was telling Alice about the way she dressed, he did mention the feather boa. And yeah, he kind of yeah. cracked mm-hmm. up. He kind of cracked up when he said it. And now I'm like, it's because he had it the whole time. This, yeah. This thing that she did that nobody else did that gave her such style in this world. And he's, he just presses it to his face. And then probably still smells like mm-hmm. wish me luck, Zan. You know, it, it, uh, I, I love I'm it because Kalex has gone on this journey to realize how precious Zandra was. He may not have mm-hmm. loved her, but she was mm-hmm. precious, yes. you know, and it's mm-hmm. only after losing her that he can appreciate what she really was to him. 
you know, and what she, how much she loved him. Mm -hmm. And she was his biggest cheerleader. And he had to lose all of that to realize how important she was. And she's precious now in his memory. He cherishes her in a way now that he never did when she was alive, which is a shame, but he had that journey, you know, and I just, I love his whole grief journey. She was never Mm -hmm. forgotten for him ever. Never. Not like Amber was. <laughs> she wasn't forgotten. Even Amber? The Amber who? She was, even the fact that she was pregnant wasn't forgotten. No. Never. You know, that, mm-hmm. that's always, that's nice. It, it's like this, this relationship between Lex and Xandra is the only one that sort of feels like the writers really respect in a post-mortem way where they will still reference it but not in like because there there are moments later on like you know after Danny's gone where um you know somebody will bring her up to Bray and Bray will just act like nobody said anything for real Uh, and it's like the writers have an inability to write grief apparently except in like Except for the case of Lex. Lex is the only character that apparently remembers people after they die. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And it's like, it's, it's, re- it's really, it's a really nice moment because it's like he, it would be weirder if he didn't remember his first wife yeah. on his second wedding day. Mm-hmm. Especially like considering that they, they didn't like, they didn't have a messy divorce. She died. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So it's like she he still cares for her. Like I agree with Liz that Lex never really loved Sandra, but like they still cared yeah. about each other. And Sandra mm-hmm. definitely loved Lex. And there was still a very solid relationship there that was lost. And it's nice that they have these moments like this. And they don't do it with any other character. And that's mm-hmm. what's upsetting to me is that it doesn't matter who who else they lose, they they never have moments like this again. I mean, you know, in the beginning they kind of mentioned Amber and she was kind of, you know, remembered a little bit in regards to the Danny and Bray situation. By the kids. Yeah, you know. Um when do no, but like but not when, Bray. when did when did we like when did you think that they found out that Amber would be coming back? Like how far into this season? Because that's what, what if they just stopped mentioning her around then because they knew she was coming back? You know? I don't I don't know because I still feel like they had plans for Danny, you know. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I, I really don't think they knew she was coming back until after they'd wrapped season two. Um, but that's just me personally based on what I've seen. But um, yeah, I I just yeah, it's, I it's more. That. It's more confirmation that Amber wasn't supposed to die. Because, again, Bray was not written a grief journey. So that's why the moments where he's allowed to grieve are Mm -hmm. squeezed in. They're pigeonholed into the script. Oh, we should make him Mm -hmm. grieve her a little bit. You know, we should remind the audience that he lost her. But it's clear that Zandra was meant to die before they wrote season two. You know, she was. And so Lex, his grief journey stayed completely intact from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. And I think you made a great point, Octavia. I do think Lex is one of the only characters who is allowed a proper grief journey more than the couple episodes mm-hmm. after a character has died. Mm-hmm. Because even after losing Tyson, mm-hmm. he spends plenty of time in season four grieving his wife, not knowing mm-hmm. where she is, wanting to get yeah. her back in a way that other characters aren't given. And I think he would have continued to grieve Siva, you know, if we'd gotten a season six, you know, I don't know if it's just because he's that kind of character who's great for pathos, you know, um, he is great for that kind of thing. And Caleb plays it well, but yeah, none of the other characters are given that long range of time to work through those emotions of losing a person, you know, before they're 
even when he's engaging in other relationships, it never feels like Zondra was just a dropped plot thread for him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I don't think any, I don't think any of the other characters get the chance, even though there are opportunities for characters to have that. I don't feel like any other character has ever been written to have it properly. And and it's a shame because like through writing the fact that Lex is grieving, it shows that the writers can mm -hmm. do it. They just for some mm -hmm. reason choose not to. I mean, take Amber in season four. She's supposed to be grieving Bray's disappearance, but I never truly feel that she is. <laughs> I'm not blaming Beth. It's not Beth's fault, but it's clearly just not written in there. For yeah. her to be going through the process of losing a person who's missing, when at the same time, Lex, who is engaging in another sexual relationship, I still feel he's grieving Tysan. Like, where is she? Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it's like, they can't give that to Amber. And it's not like Beth couldn't play that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, she could totally do it, but they just didn't give it to her. She just has a couple moments where she mentions Bray. I'm still waiting for Bray. I'm still looking for Bray or whatever, you know? And it's, 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 I mean, Trudy showed more emotion at Bray being gone than Amber did. Come on. Yeah, I think they needed to focus on Amber mm. being a mom, the new baby. You know what I mean? Not really. Did they do that, she was sick. That whole thing, you know. They did. They, they just don't handle grief well, apart from Lex. It is true. Like, yeah. even Bray doesn't even mourn his brother really that much. Yeah. It's like two or three scenes, and then it's like, yeah. okay. <laughs> Yeah, I I keep forgetting that they are brothers. To be perfectly honest, yeah, you forget that. Like, oh, this very important main evil character we had. Oh, okay, yeah, and he was your brother. He's gone. Yeah. Honestly, the fact that they're brothers is mentioned more in the new tomorrow <laughs> yeah. than it is through the series. Oh no, no spoilers, but oh no, that's horrible. <laughs> if, in most cases, except for Zandra and Lex. And when a character dies, you're going to get two to three heavy episodes of the characters dealing with it. And then that'll pretty much be it. Mm -hmm. So kudos to you, Zandra. <laughs> kudos. Good job. To you, Amy Morris, mm -hmm. for getting one of the best grief stories ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and kudos, Caleb, for making it work. Because, <laughs> man, just him mm -hmm. grieving her and going through the whole process of having to lose this person he didn't appreciate while she was alive just elevated her character. Yeah. And I mean, I already loved Zandra, you know, but I loved her even more because the care of how they handled this story. And this was the mm -hmm. perfect, perfect button. Ah, oh, he hit the end. She still annoys me. I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, it's it's okay because I still love this. Like I can be annoyed by a character, but still enjoy a storyline. So about them being dead. Mm. I don't enjoy that she's dead. I, I'm not happy that you know they killed this 14 year old pregnant girl, right? Like I'm not okay with that. Like I don't, I don't like that. I just she was it, just a baby. She just, she just annoyed me as a character. Like, I loved her. I wanted more. I wanted more Zandra. That's fine. I think the fact that Zandra was annoying was a like. It was the core part of her character yeah. because she was a child and they were like, she was a child that was like mm -hmm. a very vain child trying to figure out how to grow up in this world where she had no role models anymore. Mm -hmm. And she was doing it well. Like she was probably the best character that exemplified the fact that she was still a child trying to be an adult. Mm -hmm. Cause all the rest of them just like immediately went into the, I'm a little child or I'm a grown adult now mode. She was the only one that was still, Straddling Figuring the fence. It out. Yeah. yeah. 
No, it's it's a beautiful moment, and I just love that reveal that he's had her boa mm-hmm. the whole time. The like, whole time. Oh. Uh, oh my gosh, it's really well framed as well. The way that like you know mm-hmm. it happens, and like it's just him alone in this intimate moment and it's good to see that he's capable of those sorts of things mm. everybody looks at lex and you know like and over the last like half of the season we've seen this growth with him with with tyson and it's i love the acknowledgement with the zandra thing i guess yeah he's still a turd i'm not supposed to be in love with this man he's a rapist. i know that's why i felt like i needed <laughs> to say he's still a turd i had to throw that out there he's still a turd and he still does turd things Damn it, Lex. stop it oh you do it too well you do it too well it's he's his character is like written the best out yeah. of everyone in the series because he is able to still he's human mm-hmm. he is written as a human like he does terrible things you still care about mm-hmm. what happens to him though because he brings right. across the emotion of Right, and he really just in character growth, it. and he does. Whereas he he does to get set still holds on to the growth at least in, until the end of season three. <sighs> Don't talk about I'm, season four and season. I'm sorry, five. I just had to point it out because you're saying character growth, and I'm like Caleb had some of the best character growth for three oh, seasons. I know, yeah. and then he went down the. Yeah. I know. Sorry for my language. Just, <laughs> he just stayed in stasis. <laughs> <laughs> he became Ooh, what he. Was is supposed to be and that's like just became a caricature yeah. after that but for three seasons this guy oh, yeah. lex oh he did a lot of growing man he came a long way and it's beautiful beautiful to watch for these three seasons he he would grow and then he would fall back and then he would grow some more but now i guess you're right you're right maybe it should have just ended after three seasons just saying maybe uh, yes. <laughs> 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 Controversial take. Don't get me started. Uh, not too much. Not on this panel, it ain't. <laughs> we are gathered here today to witness the joining and matrimony of our friends, Lex to Tysan, Ryan to Celine. They are here to show their love and trust in one another, and to take before us all the vows which will make them one. So Trudy, in full Supreme Mother Gap, conducts the ceremony <laughs> as the two couples make it through the vows. And even Alice has a change of heart and she does turn up. Um, so yeah, what did you make of the double wedding? What did you make of the various tribe styles and the smile singing? I love, I love all the looks. I love the way that everybody, you know, um, I like the touch with the flowers being different mm-hmm. and Tyson, you know, her bridesmaids having different colors um i was surprised that trudy let patsy wear what she did to be perfectly honest mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm not isn't trudy the one who picked it out for her like you know, i think Tr- trudy always knew she wouldn't be there the whole time you know but yeah. still i i feel like mm, I, I don't know trudy's trudy's trudy right now she doesn't <laughs> i mean uh how do i put this nicely trudy's the one who put that outfit together for patsy yeah. Right, but she knew that she yeah. was going to go run around and get dirty and covered in dirt and be running around the city, and you know she knew that. So I, I get, I get that, but uh, I, um, I don't know. I, I, Patsy, uh, how much of this brainwashing have we missed? Because that was real easy. Like she went in and then she just did it. She just did this. Just did this lie. Like hold on, hold on. We'll come back. We'll come back. Patsy. We'll come back. Okay, well, I'm the sorry. Way- <laughs> That's my. Uh, if this is the one, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. The wedding was wedding good. Is good. The suspense <laughs> of is Celine coming or not was great. 
because you can see how anxious Ryan is. And you can see him thinking, she's not coming, she's not coming, I'm going to be standing here alone while yeah. Lex and Tyson are here together already. And Yeah, but then I, even the I, relief on his face when she does show up, that's yeah, sad too. It is. <sighs> and, well, I <sighs> I love Trudy's evil cloak because, you know, it's <laughs> <laughs> fitting. Oh, yeah. It felt so fitting, yet yet no one wonders why where she's getting all these new clothes, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody ever questions where the clothes come from. Doesn't she make the clothes? Wait, wait, wait. They have yeah. that whole wardrobe. Remember? It's in that old room. I think it's in Zandra's old room. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But still. Feeling Zandra's clothes. <laughs> that everybody shares. That's what Trudy said. Clothing isn't a hot commodity in this world. It's easy to come by. It's not valuable. Mm. So. She goes shopping. She goes shopping every time she leaves, yeah. okay? <laughs> she comes back with a new cloak. I love everything about this wedding. I think it is probably the best in all five seasons mm -hmm. and uh it's also the most most thought was put into the storytelling of this wedding there's so much going on here mm -hmm. okay and you yeah. have the contrast of the two couples you have a couple that's actually bonded by honesty and actual love you have another couple that's built on deceit mm -hmm. and no trust you know um i even love the fact that the couple that's lying you know <laughs> it's not true are wearing pure colors I, I think it's mm -hmm. very interesting. I love the fact yep. that where Tyson and Lex are dressed in their own individual styles to what pleases them, and it still manages to compliment them. Lex is dressed mm -hmm. like Lex, like okay, pirate Lex, you know. Yeah, I, I yeah. love it yeah. so much. It's he's dressed in what would make him comfortable and what he feels attractive in. Tyson isn't. She's dressed in ways that she finds evocative, yes. but. Ryan is echoing whatever Celine has chosen. Cho Celine has chosen white, which mm -hmm. is interesting that she's chosen something that uh, re is reminiscent of Zondra's wedding outfit, um, including the pants. I oh. thought that was a really nice touch. Her feathers, yeah. as if she's an angel, but she's really a devil in disguise. And um, even the the tattoo of the flower um, with the thorns on her chest, I love that. Every rose has its thorn. I love the fact that mm -hmm. you know Ryan is echoing her look. He's not dressed like Ryan. He's dressed to compliment Celine. No. Even at the fact he's got feathers on his face. You know, mm -hmm. he is just there to be her accessory. This is her show. I love all of that. Um, I love the fact that the bride who is the most honest in her love has a genuine moment of hesitation because, yeah, this is scary. She needs a second before she mm -hmm. can say yes. But then look at her genuine smile after. She doesn't regret it for a second. And then look how easily Celine is able to lie in her vows. She doesn't love this man, but she doesn't hesitate for a second <sighs> to say, I do. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. I'm here for it. I, I love that. I hate it. You know, so what's the most disturbing is that if people think about this double wedding, they think of Ryan and Celine as this wholesome couple. Yeah. That's what they look like. Visually, that's what they look yeah. like. They are the traditional appearance of what a wedding would be. Whereas Tyson and Lex are yeah. like, you know, the, the people that just look like they stand next. They look like, you know, the best yeah. man and the bridesmaid. <laughs> Um, I love the fact that there's this underlying tension because Trudy is clearly doing something. I love that Trudy is leaning <laughs> into the theatrics. She's really taken lessons from Jaffa. She is loving, <laughs> commanding him. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm You're right. This authoritative. <laughs> she is chewing the scenery. <laughs> yeah, she had 
plenty of practice <laughs> practice as supreme mother um i like i i do love alice showing up you know mm-hmm. um I, I thought that was yes. really beautiful. I love the emotions on Vanessa Stacy's face. Oh yeah. my God. Thank you for mentioning you know, that. Oh, but thank con- you for mentioning that. They are so genuine. And- the conflict of emotions because she loves these two oh. people, but they hurt her. And this yes. is painful, but she genuinely wants the best for them. You know what I mean? I, she, Vanessa, uh-huh. you're a queen. I love it. You killed it. She says so oh much without saying a yes, word, just her faith. And uh-huh. ah, it's so gorgeous. It's so beautiful. There's just so much. I'm so glad they didn't forget about yeah. it. They didn't just have her show up. They actually showed yeah. us the reaction. You know, those little mic- those micro reactions that she's having, or the not, not even micro, they're they're there, you know. Like uh, Yeah, and even uh, even a reaction when Dyson hesitates, you know. Mm-hmm. And then there was that moment where when um, Trudy asked whether anybody objected, and like the whole wedding party turned around to look and it was like, "Is anybody gonna?" Like there was a, there was a moment of tension. It's like, "Is Alice gonna say something? Is somebody gonna say something?" I love. I, I even love this the cute little callback of Dal and Jack, and Jack is standing mm-hmm. in the wrong place, <laughs> and they just had this conversation, and Dal has yeah. to move him to the right. <laughs> place. Like they're over here, dummy. I already told you this. <laughs> it's 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 precious. And I, I just think it's perfect, like written beautifully. It's filmed you beautifully. Um, the pauses, like you said, the tension, you know. Chloe noticing Patsy was gone. She was the bridesmaid. Nobody no else noticed else. she was gone. Yeah. And I think Trudy was counting on that. She made sure that Patsy was dressed yeah. for the wedding and was there at the beginning and knew no one would notice <laughs> that she had disappeared during it. I love Porky and his little basket. Oh, you are so precious. Mm-hmm. I love Cloudy and the flowers in her little <laughs> ears. <laughs> oh, precious. I loved everybody's outfits except for Danny and her denim hillbilly lingerie thing. I love that outfit. I cannot believe <laughs> I you don't so like much. it. It's my favorite. Oh. I'm sorry, Maggie. Just give her a pole and clear heels. I hate that dress. <laughs> Maybe that's why. Maybe it's because I'm like, yeah, she could step in that. It's fine. <laughs> uh, we thought Danny was in the episode, to be perfectly honest. She's like not in that. We see her, I don't know, walk by at some point, dress. Yeah, she, she doesn't say anything this episode. They it's kept great. it focused. I yes. like that. There was no unnecessary character interaction. Right, right. They kept it in the pocket, you know. So, yeah, I love this wedding. I think it's fantastic. The one thing, the one thing I like about Danny, you guys hate <laughs> Sorry, sweetheart. Go Go with the denim or go with the lace. Pick one. (laughs) Never. To be fair, I also really dislike Brain's shirt. Like he wears it this whole season. The corset. I don't don't understand it. It's like it's like a fishnet shirt. What is happening? But I'm gonna tell you, I would rather this shirt than Mm -hmm. next season shirt. Okay. Mm -hmm. This fancy shirt. Shirt? Mm -mm. No, it ain't doing it. It keeps his figure looking good. He likes that shirt. I love the smile being there. I love the fact that there's only a slight mention of whether they should be in case he's like, eh, it's not a big deal. And guess what? He was right. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody cares. The the, the entertainment tried to beat up one of the brides the other day. (laughs) Not not a single person. Why does Casey owe the why why do they owe Casey a favor now? Like because he got them a gig. Yeah. Yeah, but but, that's it. They're still the talent. 
what are they getting paid for? What 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 are they paid? They're getting paid in exposure, guys. Okay. (laughs) Oh, okay. Because yeah, I was pretty confused by that too. Probably some wedding cake. Like, wait, why does KC get a favor from this? Yeah, I'm like, like, yeah, are they not doing a favor for? They never follow up, but they're going. They're the deal is that they'll owe him a favor. Yeah, that's it. But we never get to see because the chosen invade. Yeah. Yeah, it is pretty odd, though, that Celine just stands there looking up at them the whole time, and she's just like, yeah, this is cool. Because she's only focused on trapping Ryan. That's all she cares mm-hmm. about right now. Oh, that's yeah. her one trap. Right. Gotcha. gotcha. I even love the fact that once the jackals kicked out the smile, they no longer care about what happened to Billy Boy. Yep. <laughs> Zero cares. Ever. Our job was to care. We don't have the job anymore. We've moved on. It really is just a bunch of jobs for them. Yeah. They're all eager, and I, I, I love the song and everything. Mm-hmm. Oh, the song is fantastic. I, yeah. I really, I, I love, I love a good acapella. Going right back to the original, um, it's on the original soundtrack. Mm-hmm. I mean, that one has a lot more, obviously, drums and all that stuff. But yeah, it's the same song. I'm like, I just love the fact that the smile sings two of the songs off the soundtrack. I just think mm-hmm. it's great. <laughs> that brings us to our final thoughts of the episode. <laughs> They're dead. They're all dead. Who? Everybody. Me and Alice are the only ones left. It was horrible. The Chosen? Yes. Alice. Where's Alice? Hiding down by the docks. She's here to fetch you. So pleased to see Alice, Trudy quickly sends Patsy off to Ebony, where she claims that the Chosen have attacked and killed all of the Morats, apart from herself and Alice, who is supposedly hiding out at the docks. When she arrives there, Ebony's ambushed by the Guardian and a chosen vehicle forces her off the end of the pier, over which we still hear the smile singing. Alright, so panel, uh, <laughs> I've got a lot to talk about here. Um, okay, so we talk about Patsy first of all. So okay. this goes beyond just ferreting messages and crazy toys. This She puts on a performance and... Yeah tells ebony that all her family are dead basically Uh. and then takes ebony to a point where she knows that she's going to be taken off the board whether that's death or whether you believe it's exile whether you believe it's just capture she knows that ebony's going to be taken out at this point yeah and for me it raises a lot of questions like at what point do we start to question do we start to like the person's own culpability. Like, I know she's indoctrinated, but at what point do we start to give blame to herself? <laughs> That's um, what I'm wondering. Because in defense of Patsy, in, I passed. Uh, in, it. No, in defense of Patsy, I just want to make it clear: it is confirmed she did not know what was going to happen to Ebony. She. What did she think was going to happen? I don't know. <laughs> I'm just saying that she she was not supposed to know what was going to happen to Ebony. And that, and in fact, she, when she, I'm just saying, she wasn't supposed to know. She had no idea what was going to happen to Ebony, that Ebony was going to be hurt. Now, I'm not saying Patsy's smart, because she's not, but um, <laughs> she didn't know that yeah, Ebony no. was going to be harmed. I, I think she seriously assumed that they would just, you know, take her away. Maybe they she didn't really think that. Until so far, I guess. That's all I'm going to say. She just assumed they would take her somewhere else. I still don't like you know, it. Lock, lock her up, throw away the key. I think it's awful. I think I, I, 
And the fact that Trudy was willing to use a child in that way, you know? It, it is possible that Patsy didn't even think about Ebony at all. She was just like, well, Trudy's told me to go here, say this to Ebony, bring Ebony to the docks, and then go home. Yeah. And that was her only line of thinking. Yeah, because she was told to go straight home. Because, yeah, like like Liz said, she's not very smart. Right, right. But still, that is a that is a really big story. Yeah, remember, it's, it's not just say it's not just passing the message. She performed this. She, she put on oh, this She cried. She went all out, like was dirty come on you know that is how that is what cults do you know um cults the way they indoctrinate you is one of those things is the rule of yes okay and and even even when think about it when trudy tells her i need you to go someplace and patsy goes oh where and why i want to see the wedding look at the way trudy reacts to her haven't you learned by now not to question me to just do as you're told that has clearly been part of patsy's indoctrination she immediately Mm -hmm. complies and does what she's been told without questioning or thinking about it she's still an idiot but um i'm just saying that this is what cults do they start small they get you to say yes to small innocent things and then they start upping the ante they get you in the habit of simply doing as they say and it starts innocently until before you know it you're doing things and you you're not thinking about them because you've been conditioned not to think about what they have ordered you to do until you start seeing the consequences which of course is going to happen to patsy um it's still messed up that this is what Trudy's doing to a child and how easily she's able to do it. But again, it is a child and it also, you know, gives us some more foresight to how Trudy herself was indoctrinated. We saw Jaffa use the same method with Trudy Mm -hmm. with the innocence of offering her water. Just get her to accept the water. Trudy wasn't going to accept the water. I don't trust you. I don't like you. I'm questioning this whole situation. You get them to accept and say yes to small things. And then before you know it, what has mm-hmm. he got her doing? Saying that she wants power and chaos in front of all these people, even though she doesn't want it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's how they do it. And they condition you not to think about what you're doing. You know, And that's what we've been seeing Trudy doing with Patsy from the moment she started conditioning this kid. Yeah, yeah that's, that's fair. I- that's but still, but still. I agree, but there's a line that then crosses over into the individual's own responsibility. Yeah, I agree. Um, Trudy, as much as we love her, she has blood on her hands. Even though it's yeah. people we don't like, oh, yeah. she's got blood on her hands. 100%. And, yeah. <laughs> Guess murky. And, and, okay, okay, okay. Watching that scene today of Ebony going... Jumping off the docks, okay? How are we really supposed to believe that that took Ebony out? Like the van didn't touch her; she just kind of like dove headfirst into the you know into the water. We know that she knows how to right, like she loves cool, right? Like I'm. They couldn't have done something better. They couldn't have done. They couldn't have. They couldn't have had the vehicle like actually hit her. Like I, I think it's insinuated that it was supposed to, but we know the tribe isn't the best at staging stunts. It didn't, yeah. especially oh, since they used the actual young actors for the stunts. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty messed up. <laughs> it, yeah, it is. It was very slow though the way it happened. Yes. It's like I didn't necessarily find it believable that Ebony couldn't have figured out a way to, to get out of the situation. Run to the side. Somehow. Run to the side like yeah. tornado. I don't know. Like you don't. 
run away from it. She's pretty fun. I mean, she could have jumped on the hood of that thing. <laughs> she, and, yeah, right? and, any, anything. That's why I'm like, I find they couldn't have done something better. It, it could have been staged better. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. Yeah. I did like I did like that the the smile singing was like overlaying yes. thing happening. Uh, I found that really nice. Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting that Ebony has her care for Alice is so strong mm -hmm. that she doesn't even think about the logic of Alice surviving a massacre and sending Patsy. Yes, there's no way. Alice yeah. would do that. She would yeah. come herself. She would not send a child out on her own, you know, unless she was injured. But it also shows where Ebony's at, you know, as far as her mindset goes. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, I think that's really interesting that she, her only concern is to get to Alice, somebody she actually cares about. She's and her only ally. For, and, you know? and then thinking Alice is hiding in such yeah, a way. Yeah, and doesn't question it, you know, and until she's like walking halfway there and then she you can see her pause like wait a second why would yeah. alice be hiding under a boat why would she send you but by then it's too late and she turns yeah. around patsy's mm -hmm. already gone and there's a van showing up and so uh i thought that was really cool um you know for ebony's sake nice little bit of character development there for her mm -hmm. i do think it's a cool state you know i mean as far as stunts in the show go <laughs> It's enough. This one's pretty good. I mean, it involves a vehicle and a young actress who has to fall into the water upside down, which again, these seem like small things, but these are big stunts. You know, um, even having mm -hmm. someone fall on the ground on a set is considered a big stunt. You have to have padding and right. insurance and but so I'm mean, gonna I'm gonna give them a plus. I'm like, that's I'm, a pretty impressive stunt for you guys. Uh okay. <laughs> It possibly could have been edited to be a little bit it more. It could have. You know. That's what I'm saying. Like, they were going in slow motion. She could have ran faster than that vehicle was freaking moving. <laughs> like, she could have dove into the water, swam away. But they don't have guns. They can't shoot her. Are they going to swim yeah. after her? Doubt it. Like, what? This is Ebony. Come on. She deserved better. Mm -hmm. I do think it's one of the first places where Jaffa falls flat in his mm -hmm. way. I mean... I think he's a worthy opponent to dispatch Ebony, you know, of all the people who are going to, I was like, Jaffa, okay, I can accept him taking her out. But I did think, why this way? This doesn't ensure she's dead. <laughs> it doesn't ensure anything. Um, she just fell into the water. She, I, I'd be different if I'd seen her hit her head, you know what I mean, or something. Um, yeah. Then I could be like, oh, she's unconscious when she hits the water. That could kill her. But she just fell, you know, ass over tea kettle into the water. And as you guys pointed out, she's a swimmer. So mm -hmm. that's what I feel like it, it should have been. Like, or they wanted it to be like she was hit by the car. She hit her head and it fell off onto the water. That's what it kind of feels like it should yeah. have been. But just didn't. Maybe that's yeah. what it's supposed to be. But we mm. didn't see any impact. And like yeah. I said, slow motion. I just feel like maybe they could have edited it better and the editing team got it wrong. Yeah. Maybe, maybe. I like the concept, but the execution, yeah. not so much. I do feel that having that specific van there is like an ominous sign, though. Well, yeah, it's that, yeah, that van sucks. We don't like it's, that. It's a sense um, of impending doom getting closer and closer and closer. Yeah, and I, I guess, I guess. I guess that makes sense. We've come a long way to the Mallrats fighting tribe circus with pillows. Let's just <laughs> come say on. that. I mean, <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, yeah, but it, yeah, I agree. It's not staged quite well, but I, I am still going to give it points because when it comes to the, you know, the stunts and the show, this one was a pretty impressive one. And um, it, it yeah. just needed, it if definitely needed to be edited better. Definitely. If you're judging it by the merits of the stunts in this show, it's done. <laughs> but yeah, I would have been um, like, how is that supposed to have killed her? Because I, I thought that was odd. Even the first time I saw it, I was like, mm-hmm. she just fell in the water. Did she get hit by the, the van? Like She just turned around and jumped in. I'm telling you. Yeah, she like, did fall. She fell. Okay, okay. She, 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 she fell. The way she fell, I think, is insinuating the van hit her, but I guess maybe it was it was filmed but taken off. Maybe they thought it was too I don't know, it wouldn't go past the senses, so they took that bit out. (laughs) I I suppose. I suppose. Because like Meryl did a great job at like looking like she was falling. Yeah. Yeah. So like, you know. Yeah. (laughs) And like like something had kind of almost pushed her, but we didn't see that interaction really happen with the car or anything so yeah, okay that's, that's fair it, I, I guess you have to I, I, it's, it's like with a lot of the show you kind of have to just fill in the gaps <laughs> yeah I don't I, yeah that's true that is that's very true okay still come on it's insinuated that she's she was hit <laughs> okay. okay she was taken out got it for no because sure. we you know we get the bird we get the her view of what the van looks like it's very big and menacing and very close up so i i think that's what they were going for it's yeah. better staging than we've seen in the past but yeah and there's probably a reason they could not actually show an impact of i mean that clearly woes out the window in season five but um, <laughs> you see ruby turn into a literal like bumper uh, she's supposed to be pregnant what is <laughs> maybe it's just yeah, that that scene yeah I, I just watched it recently and i was like oh my god she wrote that thing <laughs> so, oh um, my god ebony so uh yeah that's like the most violent thing that happened <laughs> maybe that's why it got canceled because <laughs> that was like the last episode it was enough torturing of the pregnant teenage girls <laughs> we're done <laughs> Uh, the only other thing that I wanted to say is that it's really like it's really apparent how how small Meryl is in the mm-hmm. scene standing next to Patsy. Mm-hmm. It's just oh, yeah. tiny. That's just all of it. <laughs> and like Ebony's looking up at Patsy, and it's like, oh my god, she's small, small. Here's a baby. I think I still would have preferred something else from Jaffa though, as a way to dispatch Ebony. But I get it. Mm-hmm. They needed to make it, they needed to have their cake and eat it too. They needed Jaffa. They needed him to do something where he could believe she was dead, but for her to have survived it. Yeah, it couldn't I be too violent for the TV show. That you know they had to be able to show it, but it couldn't be too violent to be in the kids' program. So I guess this was you know a compromise. But I'd love to know what ideas they threw around the table before they had to settle on this. It is better. It's better than all the off-screen disappearances yeah. that happen, yeah. to be fair. Like, we get a lot of off-screen, something happened. We don't know what, but it was something happened. And now we don't see the character ever again. Except maybe they come back. We're just going to leave that open. I guess it's similar well, to... At least we did not see bubbles in the water after she fell in. There were no air bubbles. <laughs> um, I, I do think it's 
it's very similar to Lex and Bray crashing the dune buggy. <laughs> and we're supposed to believe that that killed them. Like, we're supposed to believe yeah, that they could have... Lex's hairstyle. ...in any way injured from that little soft rollover with their helmets yeah. on. Um, they were not. So out. I think it's similar to that. Like... Come on. I'm like, you guys literally tipped over while you were standing still. But we're supposed and to believe. And then they bought heads and that, you know. But, you know, it's insinuating that they got into a car accident and it killed them, you know. And I, I think yeah. it's on par with that. And this one's actually, I think, yeah. Yeah. personally, I think this one's better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She swam under the I, wa I wasn't... <laughs> I wasn't like necessarily comparing it to that scene in my head initially. Yeah, I remember when I first saw the, the that June buggy roll over and laughing, and then it was meant to be a series. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's. I, I'm pretty sure that's my reaction as well. See, I can at least take this serious and get what they're insinuating happened, and be like, "All right." Dispolution, dispo, uh, dispension of disbelief. I'm there. You got me. I'm with you. But that scene with Bray and Lex, I'm like, seriously, guys? <laughs> that was the equivalent of falling out of your computer chair. <laughs> <laughs> Frankly, I think you do more damage falling out of your computer chair. I'm just saying. <laughs> See, as silly as the Dow death was, at least that was better. At least he fell. Uh, he fell really far did. away. Yeah. But yeah, um, it's it's a cool scene, and I love the tension. And Meryl acts the crap out of it. Yeah. I believe she's terrified for her life. I believe she's cornered. I love the way the van is filmed. I feel like the van should be its own character at this point. Um, and again, I'm with, I'm, I'm with Octavia. I love the singing over it, the contrast of this happy moment at the mall, and this murder happening on the docks. <laughs> And I, I love my conflicting emotions of like, oh no, Ebony. And then also being like, you know, Jaffa should be the one to take you out. You know, it's <laughs> you not like you don't, yeah, you had it coming. It's not like you don't deserve this, but uh, it's a great cliffhanger. Yeah. I'll give it that. Because you're just like, oh my gosh, did they take Ebony out? <laughs> did that really just happen? They did it. Yeah, the structure of this episode is really well done. Like it's paced really well and like all the scenes have purpose and we've got the the one bit of comic relief in the middle but the rest of it is mainly like a very serious tone it's it's good yeah top tier episode <laughs> okay cool um that brings series two episode 48 to a close thank you very much to the panel and our guest octavia yay and if you'd like to take part in a future episode of the podcast please do send us a message on our facebook page or on our website thetribe.co.uk so we'll see you next time for episode 49 until then bye Bye. 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 Bye.